Hello and welcome to the world famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk about all things transportation, anything that gets you from here to there. I am the traffic anchor as well as the transportation reporter for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. And if you would like to be a part of the program, if you would like to contribute in any way, if you would like to get a hold of me, or even better, call the listener hotline. That number is 303-832-0217. And you can leave a message there and I can play it right here on the program. You can also get a hold of me on any of the uh, contact links in the description of this show. And on the program today, and coming up in just a minute, going to be joined by Clint Rhodes. And Clint is a plow driver for the Colorado Department of Transportation, and he's also a supervisor of other plow drivers in Colorado's Southwest Mountains. There's a highway down there, U.S. Highway 550, basically runs between Durango and Montrose, and it is a spectacular I mean, it, it, it's one of the most breathtakingly beautiful scenic roads in the entire country. They, they call it the Million Dollar Highway, and it's also one of the most dangerous highways to drive on, not just any time, like in the summertime, it actually is quite dangerous, because there are a lot of curves, a lot of switchbacks, and there are virtually no guardrails along a lot of the road. But it's especially dangerous in the winter. And imagine having a raging snowstorm, you have snow on this highway, and you're trying to drive a plow truck, trying to keep it open and keep it safe for travelers who are down in that area and, and, and residents who need that as a lifeline to get from their homes in Uray or Silverton uh, out to Durango or maybe even up to Montrose. And it's got to be really hard and really tough to do that. So that's why I'm going to have Clint here on the show, because, um, and I'm going to tag team this story with Stephanie from our web team. So there'll be a companion story to go along with this interview, and there'll be pictures of the highway attached to that story. You'll be able to get to that from the link and also the description of this episode, uh, and that's all right here at the bottom there. And it, it's, I think it's going to be pretty interesting. So anyway, he, that that's coming up in just a minute. But first, I saw this story the other day. And it was a man in England who was pulled over by the police there. And the driver told the officers when he was uh, asked for his driver's license that he didn't have one. And in fact, that he's been driving without a license or driving without insurance, n- not just for a little while, but for more than 70 years. <laughs> that, that could be, I think, the world record. Officers said the driver, who was born in 1938, had told them that he had been driving basically his entire life without ever getting a driver's license. He he didn't get insurance for his car. He hasn't had insurance that he, or a license since he was 12 years old, and he has never been stopped by police until now. That is totally remarkable, isn't it? That he's been driving for that long, never had a brush with uh, police, and never have to worry about getting insurance. In I know in Colorado, I think in a lot of other states – you have to show proof of insurance before you can get the registration up to date on your car. You get the license plate, the little sticker. You either get the plates or get the sticker for the plates. 
And you have to show insurance. Maybe it's different there in England or wherever in England he's living. Uh, but, but I thought that was fascinating. And on Facebook, the police team actually reported, thankfully, this guy has never been in a crash in all his 70 years of driving. So he's never needed insurance. So he's been saving a lot of money. What's he been doing with all that money that he's been saving on not buying insurance? Oh, I could only imagine all the things I could do with the money that I'm not that I wouldn't be paying for uh, paying for car insurance. Uh, I, I also received a press release the other day about something that I like to uh, think is is really needed in a major way. And this is how it started off. It said, in an effort to make roads safer for all, drivers wishing to get their commercial driver's license will have to take a comprehensive training course before they can apply to receive one. And this started in early February. And it says aspiring commercial drivers will need to complete a new federally mandated entry-level driving training with a certified trainer before they can obtain a CDL. And this can only really help out young drivers be safer behind the wheel of a truck and know how to drive a truck and know what to do when things go wrong. We had a horrific crash uh, several years ago along Interstate 70, where a driver was not well-trained and lost his brakes, missed several opportunities to ditch the truck, missed a uh, one of those uh, off-ramps for a truck to pull over, the emergency truck ramps that'll slow you down if you lose your brakes, designed just for that purpose. And unfortunately, the driver plowed into a traffic jam that was stopped, uh, a bunch of traffic that was stopped on the interstate down uh, more in the flat part of I-70 uh, because there was another crash up ahead. And, and he killed several people in the resulting wreck. Um, and, and so it, maybe you heard about it. He was actually sentenced to 110 years in prison, and a, mand- a mandatory sentence basically. But the governor had changed that, came, stepped in and, and changed it to just 10 years. Uh, but that's really one of the, and I don't think this federal law and this federal requirement was based on that incident, but it it is a good incident to use as an example of why we would need this new regulation. Um, and it's in line with the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration's primary mission, they tell me, to reduce crashes, to, to stop injuries, to stop people getting hurt and killed involving large trucks and buses. Now, this entry-level driver training They say it intends to increase safety on our nation's highways by setting minimum standards and enforcing uniform requirements for commercial drivers, which result in more qualified drivers on our roads. Prior to this change in legislation, CDL standards varied by state to state. So this is a federal requirement, so everybody's going to have to go through this training. And interestingly, this new training is required for first-time commercial drivers and anyone wanting to upgrade their CDL or anyone wanting to add a following endorsement like hazardous materials, uh, to, uh, an endorsement to carry passengers, or to drive a school bus. So that's um, going to make it safer for everybody, especially for the people that are carrying passengers and, and driving a bus. Uh, during the training, which includes classroom instruction, drivers must pass the assessment with an overall score of 80% or higher and demonstrate proficiency in behind-the-wheel training. And it's interesting that I was talking to one of our local uh, school bus drivers for my child's elementary school, and he was telling me they had something like 50 or 60 openings 
for bus drivers. And they've had to combine routes, and they just can't get enough drivers. And when they do get them, they only do their training like every three months. And this might even slow that process down even more. So you're still going to have a vast shortage around the country of bus drivers, especially for uh, uh school bus drivers for kids that are trying to make their way to and ho- to, from school and also for uh, public transportation buses. Uh, so we could see obvious more issues with uh, fewer operators. I get those emails every single morning, no operator available, no operator available, and it's at least a handful, a dozen or so of buses every single morning that are not running because there's no operator available for whatever reason, or for the reasons where they don't have the, the drivers to run them. So, so while I, I do hope that it, this new training makes the, uh, highways and roads and, and the drivers safer, uh, behind the wheel of a truck or a bus, um, or carrying passengers, I think it will slow down the number of truck drivers and bus drivers that we will need to uh, have on our roads to, um, to, to do all the driving that we need to have, have done. It's been called the most perilous road in America during the winter season. With over 25 feet of snow in a season, 70 named avalanche chutes, and almost no guardrails, Colorado's Highway US 550 between the southwest Colorado towns of Silverton and Ray is one tough road to keep clear, but there are a handful of drivers who work for Colorado's Department of Transportation who plow that highway for the brave travelers who need to use that route. Joining me now is Clint Rhodes. Clint is the CDOT supervisor over three patrols that work US 550 from Purgatory to Uray, including the three major mountain passes, Coalbank, Mollus, and Red Mountain. Clint, thanks so much for joining me here on the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So, Clint, this question was written in Outdoor Magazine several years ago when talking about what it is you do. Who would be crazy enough to keep Colorado's infamous Highway 550 clear in the winter. (laughs) Well, apparently you are. But I I think, Clint, there is probably a fine line between crazy and passionate, right? I I would say so, yeah. So which are you, crazy or passionate? I'm a little of both. Uh, (laughs) Depends on the day, I guess. Not as crazy as I used to be. (laughs) You know, getting older now, but um, starting out, I was definitely a lot crazier than I was passionate, I would say. Uh, I think we're all that way a bit uh, as we get older in years. How did you get into uh, CDOT maintenance and get into plowing? You know, I, I was born and raised in Silverton, so I've known the area my entire life. And it, it just happened that the supervisor at the time out of Silverton was needing a temporary snowplow driver and approached me asking if I wanted to try it. So I just said, yeah, and gave it a go. And you were assigned immediately to Highway 550, or did that come later? No, immediately, yep. So I, I was based out of the Silverton Patrol, so my, uh, my boundaries was top of Mollus Pass to the top of Red Mountain Pass. That first day behind the wheel, was it during the summertime or the wintertime? It was during the fall. It was in November, so there really wasn't much snow yet. So not not real challenging, but again... I wasn't too worried about it being, I've, I've traveled that road my entire life, so it, it's not one that kind of scares me like it does other people. Yeah, that's. I, I think that a lot of people are scared of it, but driving a, a larger vehicle like a plow has got to be a little bit more challenging than just driving a you know a passenger car, a four-wheeler, right? 
Absolutely, yes. You take up a lot more road. Um, you get a lot bigger machine. You get to sliding in that plow truck. It's kind of hard to slow it down, stop it, um, navigating the controls. Sensitivity of the truck and everything is totally different from just a, a normal car. So it, it, it takes a little time, a little practice, a little getting used to before you're really comfortable doing it. So take me back to that time when you were first in that plow, that fall season, and then you heard that, hey, we're going to get a winter storm rolling through the uh, high country down there. And what was that feeling like, thinking, all right, I am going to have to, first, for the first time, have to plow this road? I, I was excited. I was truly excited. Um, that, that was what I signed up for. Uh, I, I, I know people that have been working there and knew what the, what the work involved and entailed. Uh, my stepfather actually had worked for him previously, so I'd heard stories from him, and it, it just sounded exciting, and and I wanted to be a part of it. So I was chomping at the bit to put my plow down and move some snow. And how many years ago was that? Oh, 2010, 2009, somewhere in there. So you're, you're coming up on uh, at least a dozen years plus, so... You've had some experience now behind the wheel. What what is the uh, what was the season like as you were going through it back then? The entire season, that winter season. What were some of the challenges that you had to deal with for your first year? You know, back then, it it kind of seems like Silverton wasn't really, or the area, Red Mountain area, I would say, wasn't really truly discovered yet as far as backcountry recreationists. So it wasn't. It wasn't too bad. Um, the big, the biggest challenges, of course, which are challenges every year: avalanche pass, you know, roads, uh, you know, steep passes. Of course, other drivers and everything. But th- there wasn't the amount of drivers and people recreating in the area as there are today. I'm speaking with Clint Rhodes. He's a CDOT supervisor, plow driver on Highway US 550 in Southwest Colorado. Talking about the challenges of keeping that road clear in the winter season some of those areas that are along 550 pose a real challenge because well it's beautiful so the scenery is amazing especially in the fall when you have the changing colors but you have so many of these avalanche chutes you have so much of that roadway that doesn't have any guardrails so it can be challenging especially like you said in a a bigger truck or really any truck a, a semi truck anybody to try to keep that road clear. So talk about those avalanche chutes and talk about some of those challenges just trying to keep that road clear. Those avalanche chutes, those areas, you, you get to learn them real well and you know where they are. Um, you, you really got to learn the road and where you're at, like the back of your hand. You got to know the area you're in, know where you're at, because if it's snowing real hard and you can't really see, you just you just got to know where you're at on that road and know hey, I'm under an avalanche path. I can't be stopping here. I need to move down the road a little more. Um, you've got these narrow roads, sheer drop-offs, you know, 1,000-foot drop-offs. Drop and uh, so you really got to pay attention, take your time, and uh, like I said, j- just know the road. Be, be comfortable with what you're doing, and uh, don't get in a rush. Don't get complacent. So you could really uh, almost in your mind, I imagine, be able to replay almost every mile marker along that road and know which way you're supposed to move that plow. Absolutely. Absolutely, without a doubt. Yep. 
and that has to be some experience that you that you only get with experience. So after that first season, you go, all right, that was okay. And then you start moving into your second and your third, your fourth winter season. How have those evolved for you? And, and how much easier is it for you now looking back than when you did it, you know, 10, 12 years ago? It's definitely a lot easier for me now. Um, like I said, when growing up here, I knew the areas, the bad areas and everything, but I never really paid attention to them. Then that first year I was in a plow truck with the chance of having any avalanche or anything come down, I really started to have to pay attention. And I realized I I didn't know as much as I thought I did that first year. So I, I was definitely uh, walking on eggshells, I guess, and just taking my time and really paying attention where I was at, what I was doing, listening to my mentors, my other teammates, you know, my bosses, who had been here a lot longer than me. I think they're... Their information and their knowledge was more valuable than anything because they, they're not going to steer anyone, and none of us are going to steer any one of us down the wrong path because that could lead to disaster. So we, we want to make sure everyone is geared and prepared for any any situation we can think of and, and play it out safely. And, and as a supervisor now, you have that ability to pass along some of your wisdom over your dozen seasons. What was the one or two or three pieces of advice that you tell maybe some of the younger drivers what to watch out for and, and how to work the road? Um, the, the main thing I tell them, first thing I tell them is memorize the mile markers, memorize the areas, know where you're at on the road. Um, then a couple little tips and tricks and techniques on plowing, uh, how to adjust your front plow, how to use your wing when you're uh, moving snow off the outside edge, uh, and, and just kind of just sitting in the passenger seat with them and riding with them and, or having uh, someone with equal or more experience than me do the same thing with those new people and, and really make sure they're comfortable, understand the dangers that can arise if, if you're not paying attention. I'm speaking with Clint Rhodes. He's a CDOT supervisor working along US 550 in southwest Colorado, the million-dollar highway, as they call it. Isn't your typical plow shift around 8 or 10 hours? Eight eight hours. We say eight hours, which turn into 12-hour days almost instantly when it when there's a big snowstorm. And, and so it has to be a, a immensely challenging to keep your focus for that long, I mean, it, it's just you got to keep a focus if you're driving on the uh, on a beautiful sunny day in the summertime up there. But to do it for eight or ten or twelve hours while it's snowing and you're in a precarious situation in a large vehicle plowing snow, it, you, keeping your focus for that long has to be mind draining, right? You, you know, it 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 is, and it it, it it wears on you. You know, those long periods sitting in a truck for that long, strain on your eyes from the snow, um, constantly just stressed if an avalanche is going to come down or if another driver is going to slide into you or if, if you're not following the road exactly because you can't see, it, it, it wears on you big time. Um, but you, you just you push through it, and it, it actually goes by quicker quicker than you think. One or two rounds you know, from start to finish of your patrol takes half of your day away right away. So you make three, four rounds in a plow truck plowing the road, and, and your shift is, is over. It just makes that popping open that Coors Light at the end of your shift just a lot Absolutely. sweeter, right? Yes. 
<laughs> what <laughs> the terrain out there? It's different. It's not just like straight up a mountain and straight down a mountain. There are actually some flat areas, some uh, spots where you could have some really heavy blowing snow. And of course, the curvy sections with the risks of those avalanches that make it challenging. So talk about the difference in the terrain and how that changes how you plow up there and how you have to do it safely. And again, that, that goes back to knowing, knowing where you're at on the road and knowing your patrol. Um, those switchbacks are are a tough beast to to plow around and try to get all the snow plowed off each direction because they're just so tight. You stick out so much in one of them big trucks, and then, like I said, that that flat straightaway through Ironton Park, two miles of just straight flat area, the wind blows in there so hard that you can't see ten feet in front of your plow. So you've got to really slow down. Trust your instincts. Know where you're at on the road. Uh, you use whatever markers, signs, delineation that you can see as references as you're going through there. Uh, and then you get down into that gorge just above your A, and you got nothing but a steep rock wall on one side and nothing but a thousand foot drop on the other. And then again, you just you just gotta take your time. Know areas that you gotta get through kind of quickly. Know areas where you're kind of safe and, and can pay attention and, and not worry about a slide. Each section's got its own little set of challenges that you gotta you got to be ready for and, and know what to do when you come to them. So how concerned are you then as you're going around some of those blind turns and, and the wavy section where you have a 1,000-foot drop, how concerned are you that you might just slide down the mountain? Um, you, you really don't. I myself really don't think about it because that seems to be when I, I, I mess up the worst. If I, if I focus and worry about something like that, I, I feel like it, it's going to draw me towards that edge, you know. So I, I act like it's not even there. I just go about plowing, knowing that I'm on the road, just trusting my instincts, trusting my skills, knowing that I can do it and not worry about that, that drop because that'll just stress me out more and then I'll, I'll start to make mistakes. But you would think that your family wouldn't be appreciative of what, of what you do. What, what are your family uh, thoughts and feelings about the job you do? Yeah, you know, my family grew up in Silverton also, so they know the road, um, and, and they understand the, the risks and, and challenges it brings, but they also understand someone's got to do it, and... They they trust me that I know what I'm doing and and like I said I've been I've been in the area for so long that it, it that road's like looking at the back of my hand. They worry about the other drivers causing an accident with me than than they are me getting into it. Because that must be also its own set of challenges for what you have to do is you have to watch out for somebody in a jeep that thinks that they can go. Uh, 60 miles an hour on that road, even in the snow, because they have four-wheel drive and big studded tires. But you also have semi-drivers that need to make their rounds, and you have just regular four-wheel drivers that are uh, driving up there. So uh, talk about that again, how some of those folks, m- the, those other drivers, pose that risk for you. Yeah, well, yeah, that's just it. They're, they're not prepared. Nine out of ten of the drivers that are up here aren't prepared they're not equipped to be driving 
their vehicles not equipped to be driving in winter conditions. Um, they they typically don't have any experience driving a mountain pass on top of winter conditions. Um, they 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 need to pay more attention. They need to look at the forecasted storms and trust that 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 forecast is accurate and that they need to be prepared because we we are constantly dodging other cars that are in our lane because they're too scared of the edge or they can't see the road, so they just put themselves right in the middle of the road. Um, and my truck drivers, first time over the pass, never threw a set of chains on their truck before in their life, think they can make it over the pass without a set of tire chains on and end up jackknifing our road. So we have to get out, help them get some chains on and get them moving um, so it, it doesn't create a, a bigger problem. It's, the biggest problem, I think, is just people are not prepared or equipped to be traveling these types of roads. If you could, let's say you, you met somebody in Durango before they started heading up the pass, how would you uh, suggest that they get prepared before heading on that road? I, I would tell them to make sure they have good tires, um, even even a set of cables or chains for their car. Um Speed can kill, but speed can also be your enemy. Um, if you go too slow, you're not going to get enough traction, and you're just going to spin out and slide off the road. If you go too fast, you're going to do the same. So you got you got to know where that happy medium is, 20, 25 miles an hour, good steady pace, and, and you'll you'll get over this, this pass just fine. Um, don't lock up. Don't ride your brakes. Just take your time. And if you're in doubt, pull over off the road and wait. Um, and if that doesn't sound good, find find a road that bypasses the, the mountains and takes you to where you're getting a different direction. Because you can always go around. You don't have to go that way. You can always go around. There's there's multiple ways to go around. So It's got to be a challenge, too, as I'm speaking with Clint Rhodes, CDOT supervisor on U.S. Highway 550 in southwest Colorado. About the equipment you have on your truck, you were talking about not only the front blade, but then you have the blade that goes along the side, that wing blade, as you call it. Uh, What kind of equipment do you have otherwise in your truck that might help you in clearing the roads? Uh, In our trucks, we have sanding units and liquid spraying units. Um, so while while we're out there plowing, removing the snow off the road, we are also putting sand and um, ice slicer down as a grit to help drivers would get traction on the road and to help kind of melt the snow away, get cut down on the pack. Um, that that that's the biggest tool we have in our arsenal with the plow trucks with a sander and a you know liquid unit. Um, if, if the temperatures are good and and we can spray liquids. We'll spray the liquids out on the road to kind of cut that pack, cut that ice off the road quicker to get down to a wet pavement to make it safer. Don't you have temperature sensors in the truck too, and and other equipment inside yep. the truck that can that can help you also determine how much maybe material you need or how much you need to scrape? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. There's a road. We have road road sensors, road temperature sensors, and also air temperature sensors. Um, and, and some of our equipment have devices that give us a recommendation of how much product to put out. Um, typically, those aren't as accurate up here in the mountains as they are elsewhere, so we just kind of go off of 
of knowledge and experience, knowing how much we, we need at the time and putting it out as needed. Is any of that equipment specialized for Highway 550 for what you do, or is there a way maybe you can use your experience, as you said, to maybe create some kind of uh, equipment or, or computer system or something that could help maybe not only your drivers but other drivers around the state? Uh, one couple of the trucks we have are four-wheel drive, giant four-wheel drive plow trucks. So you won't find many of those anywhere in the state other than on mountain passes. So that that's just kind of a benefit where you can throw a plow truck into four-wheel drive and have that extra traction. And I imagine that sometimes the equipment has to malfunction. Either the blade doesn't go down or the wing blade doesn't work right. How do you deal with that if you have to get out of your truck, park it there maybe during a snowstorm, and and fix the equipment as well as deal with maybe somebody coming down the road too? Yeah, you know, that's that's another challenge, and it does happen. Uh, we'll blow a hydraulic line or or a pump will seize up or it, – it, in any scenario, it, it definitely happens, and um, we keep radio communication with each other, each patrol. You know, we have three, four guys out out plowing at a time on each patrol, so they keep radio communications with each other. One of them has to pull over or stop to work on something. They let them know, let them know where they're at, and, and the drivers from the other, other patrols kind of overlap and take up some of that black that that driver's missing. So he can get his truck up and going, and and sometimes he can't, and we do our best to get it off to the side of the road, get him back to town into a different truck, and get him back on the road and wait for a mechanic to come out and work on that broken piece. But that but that can't be very much fun. Uh, I've watched as truckers, the uh, regular semi commercial truck drivers, have to put up chains uh, before, let's say, heading up Vale Pass or over at the uh, the Eisenhower Johnson tunnels and. That, that looks like it's a whole lot of no fun trying to keep your fingers warm and dealing with these people driving by you and, and putting a chain on a, on the wheels of a truck. No no fun at all. We, uh, we try to do it beforehand. We know if, we, if we're going to have to chain up a truck due to a big storm coming, we'll try to have it chained up before it leaves the shop. That way you don't have to be out there in the cold or after you've already spun out trying to throw a set of chains on. Um, that they're already on, and if you need them, great. If you don't, well, they're there anyway, just in case. I am speaking with Clint Rhodes. He's a CDOT supervisor on US 550 in southwestern Colorado, talking about how tough it is to clear clear up that highway in the winter season. Would you rather drive and plow when it is snowing or when it's not snowing? Because I would think if it, obviously, if it's snowing you're going to get that natural sense to slow down, take your time. It's hard to see. You're going to have your own set of challenges as the snow is piling up on the roadway. But if there's no snow, you might get comfortable with the conditions and then start pushing the limits of your speed and be prone to a mistake. I would have to say I'd prefer plowing when it's not snowing and it's nice out for sure just because of the less stress. And there is a chance I could, as you said, uh, push my limits too far, but I, I myself don't think I have or haven't, and, and I don't think any of my guys would either. Um, it, it's just a lot easier and safer to be plowing after the storm if you could choose one or the other, which obviously we can, but <laughs> I, I don't know any plow driver that said they'd rather be plowing during a big blizzard than they would on a nice day.
How many drivers do you have, and what's uh, their average age? Um, each each patrol, um, we're, we're kind of shorthanded on some patrols right now, but each, each patrol has four. So um, Patrol 12, which is Cascade, they take care of Coal Bank and South Mullis Pass. There's four guys in there. Average age on that patrol would be 45 to 50. And then the Silverton Patrol, which takes care of Top of Mullis Pass, the top of Red Mountain Pass. Um, three guys there. We have an opening at that position or that location. And the average age there would be, I would say, 40 to 45. And then Uray, which takes care of strictly top of Red Mountain to Uray, the north side of Red Mountain. Um, there's four guys at that patrol, and average age there is probably 45 to 50 also. What would be the qualifications you would be looking for if you had somebody apply for that open plow job? Would you look for somebody that's already been working in the state, or, or what kind of a person would you think would be a good fit to uh, join your crew? You know, someone with truck driving experience, and not just over-the-road truck driving, someone that's had mountain pass experience, which isn't a must. Um, pretty much just truck driver experience, someone with a CDL and, and has driven a truck, a Class B CDL, anything else we can we can teach you. You know, it, it's not rocket science to do this job. It's just stressful and dangerous. Yeah, but that, that's what keeps some people away, I imagine. I, I, I don't think you probably have a lot of plow drivers already working for CDOT that are, you know, giving you a call right now to fill that open position, are they? No, no. And, and it, this is a tough location. Working out of Silverton, you, you have to live in Silverton, and it's it's just a tough place to live. Um, finding housing, affording housing, and, you know, getting to a grocery store and everything, you got to go north to Montrose or south to Durango to get your groceries. I mean, we do have a small grocery store in town, but it doesn't have everything you need. So just the living conditions in Silverton is what makes it tough to get people. But that's why it is so important to keep Highway 550 open, right? Because the residents really need to be able to get either to Durango or to Montrose, the two bigger towns, on uh, any side of all three of those passes. Absolutely, yes. Our, our main focus is keep the Mullis and Colbank Pass open so people can get to Durango. Yeah, we'll close Red Mountain Pass and, and not worry about it, but we will make sure that Mullis and Colbank are open so people out of Silver get to the south. Uh, the ambulance runs south. You know, a lot of people work to the south. Not a lot of people go north to Montrose out of Silverton. Just It's a little further commute than it is to Durango. So, so yeah, again, our, our main focus would be keeping Mullis and Cold Bank Pass open so they can, they can get out of town. But there are times where they have to wait two, three days until we can get that road back open. That's got to have a uneasy feeling in the pit of your stomach when you have to just say, the storm is too bad, there's too much snow, there, we just can't keep this road clear, and you have to close it because you know what it's doing to the residents. What, what does that feel like when you have to call it and say, we, we have to close this highway? You know, mo- most residents in Silverton are understand that that could happen and are kind of prepared for it. So making that call, actually, I, I feel better being able to make that call and close the road down because then I know... No one is up on the pass, tra- driving over the pass. My guys are off of the pass. No one's going to get stuck or hurt or have any issues with that road closed. 
and and again, the, the residents here in town, they know that could happen at any time, and, and they they're prepared for it. Are there any memories that just jump off uh, out of the top of your head that uh, of, of a time that was really challenging up there, where you were just facing some adverse conditions, and you saw and you thought, uh, I, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. Uh, yeah, there. Um, I think it was the winter of 2018, 2019. I was uh, I was working out of the Cascade facility, so I, I was working Coal Bank and South Mollis. And big storm came in, and we had some avalanches come down and actually trap, not physically hit people, but some people got stuck in between the two slides, so they couldn't go anywhere. And it, it was snowing real hard, and my supervisor called me out, so I went up in a motor grader with a big bull plow and was uh, punching a hole through that first slide. And when I got about halfway through it, the slide had ran again, and it hit me and actually pushed me towards the edge. Um, of the road, which there was a good five, six hundred foot drop off right there, and it 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 made me nervous for a minute for sure. I had to uh, quickly hit, hit reverse and back out of there before it kept pushing me over the edge, and then I just waited for it to finish running and went at it again and got the road open and got those people out of there. But it, it was definitely nerve wracking for good thirty seconds while it was pushing on me. I, I can't imagine what it would be like to continue working in those conditions when your shorts had to be kind of soiled at that point, right? <laughs> at the minimum, yeah, yeah. It, 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 you know, it's it's exciting, but it's also rewarding. You know, it. We got those people out of there; they got home safely. So, you know, it, it felt good to do that. That couldn't have been the only close call or the only accident that has happened to you or one of your other one of the other drivers up there, right? Oh no! Uh, there's there's been a handful. Um, another one a couple days before Christmas. It was snowing hard. I can't remember what year it was, but uh, it was snowing hard. And just outside of Silverton, coming up Mollis, um, the inside ditch it filled up with snow so much that it looked like the road was further over than it really was. And one of our plow drivers was coming off Mollis back into Silverton, and just just the way. Everything looked, it looked like the road was further out than it was, and he drove right off and rolled the plow truck down all 30, 40 feet. And he was uninjured. He was he was okay and everything. He had a seatbelt on, but that definitely was an eye-opener. And I'm sure um, the truck didn't do too well either. truck did not do too well. No, it uh, it was down for the count. Um, they, they've rebuilt it and everything since then, but uh, we lost, lost that truck for that, the rest of that year. How would you go about getting a vehicle that comes off one of those uh, curves and then goes down five or six or whatever hundred feet uh, down the side of the hill? You you call a big tow company. <laughs> you know, uh, we got we got some heavy heavy rig tow companies in our area that have giant rotator trucks that are designed for just that scenario. You know, long long recoveries, steep recoveries, and heavy equipment. So. We get them up there and get them out of there. I'm speaking with Clint Rhodes. He's a CDOT supervisor working on US 550 in southwest Colorado and the challenges of plowing and keeping that road clear of all the snow and the ice in the winter season. Uh, I know you folks are, I think, paid a little bit extra bonus for working that highway. Is the money worth it? Um, 
to some it is, to some it isn't. Um, they they they've kind of taken away some of that that bonus pay from us, so it's 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 not as uh, inviting as it used to be. But you know, like I said, someone's got to do it, and and we're the ones to do it. So. So I imagine that you, like a lot of other folks, me included, that have a, a unique job with its unique set of stresses, that you just almost become used to it. And even though you have those challenges to deal with, and even though it is a high-stress job, it's almost comforting in a way. It is. It is. Knowing that uh, there's there's a good group of guys out there that take care of the roads, it, it really eases a lot of people's minds. They know they can... They can travel these passes safely, and uh, and with with little to no problems anymore. We we really hammer it and step up our game. It's, we have so many more travelers nowadays that come up here that we really we really hit the roads hard and do everything we can to make them as safe as possible. It almost must be the same kind of a feeling as somebody who is in construction who has been working for the last 18 months on a high-rise in, let's say, downtown Denver, that goes, you know, look what I just helped build. Absolutely. Knowing that you you got that family home safely or knowing that that road is in good shape because of of what you did and you being out there plowing, there's not a better feeling than that. And and I imagine that the folks there in Silverton or Ray or Ridgeway or any of those towns up there probably – see you almost as local heroes. Eh, I, I wouldn't know if they call us that or not, but I guess maybe in some, some of their eyes we could be. Oh, I hope at least, uh, least they buy you a Coors Light when you, when you stop into the local tavern. You know they do, absolutely. <laughs> you know, there, there's a lot of things that, that I will do in my life. I, I'm not sure I'm, I'm ready to do that. I, I can understand some of the stresses that you're dealing with. Um, but obviously, it's got to be one of the most challenging areas in the country to keep clear. You, you've got to have that also. Maybe you have a special patch you can put on your uh, on your <laughs> on your jacket that says that you plow five fifty. You know, we should come up with that. that that's not a bad idea. <laughs> and then you could go sell them around the country, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, see, I'm an idea guy, Clint. I'm an idea guy. Five percent. That's all I, I need, it. right there. <laughs> <laughs> have you talked to other folks, other plow drivers around the country, and and uh, gotten their reaction from what they do compared to what you do? Yeah, um, you know we 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 meet other plow drivers constantly, doing trainings and everything out of town, and and they say no, thank you. <laughs> they rather be on I seventy, which I'm just the opposite. I rather plow these mountains than plow I seventy. You you can. You couldn't pay me enough to plow I seventy. I'm not interested in that enough. And and that's what they say about about these mountains. They rather plow I seventy and couldn't pay them enough to be on the mountains. So it's it's to each their own, I guess. And I'm sure there's a special kind of driver that has to plow around Metro Denver too. Absolutely, yep. That's definitely not my forte. <laughs> I'm a small town guy. I, I can't deal with all that traffic. Yeah, you probably don't work your way down this way too much, do you? No, not plow driving, no. Definitely go down there for trainings, but for plowing, no. Yeah, but yeah. we do send some guys down there every winter. We help kind of fill in down there, so we do have guys from our area that go. And, and it's good experience for them, get some little different uh, scenery. You know, other parts of the state are taking care of their 
winter operation. So good experience, but you don't you don't see them anyone from that area sending help up our way. <laughs> so it's not reciprocal, is what you're saying? It's not reciprocal, <laughs> not at all. No. Well, maybe I can uh, maybe I can talk to the people in charge. <laughs> Um, anyway, do, if you had, uh, I don't know if you have uh, kids, uh, but would you want one of your children to do what you do and follow in your footsteps? You know, it wouldn't bother me none. It, like I said, it's very rewarding. It, it's it's good work. It's hard work. It's honest work. Um, and uh, you're not going to get rich doing it, but you're going to learn a lot of different skills, see a lot of different areas, and be able to do a lot of different stuff and play with big equipment. So if, if that's what they want to do, I'm, I'll support them 100%. Yeah, it sounds great. If yeah, you're like you said, if uh, people could afford it, uh, I think a lot more people would be down there because you know Uray and Telluride. I had a uh, Wrangler Jeep Wrangler for a while, and my wife and I, before we had kids, rolled down to Telluride and took uh, took the Jeep over Imogene Pass, and mm-hmm. that was spectacular, really fun, but uh, also quite precarious when you have, you know, the the side mirror on the one side almost scraping the wall that's right next right. to you and then you have maybe a foot and a half of clearance on the right side and then you're if you if you miss then you're going down five right. 500 feet so yeah that that's a whole nother thrill in its own off-road jeep and like that so yeah you're not kidding but it is also a beautiful part of the state one of my favorite parts it is. definitely yes well, Clint, thank you so much for uh, your time and uh, sharing your stories. It uh, it really is nice to hear a perspective like that on, on what people do for a living and and uh, all the work that you do to keep it clear for the for the folks who really need it. Absolutely. I appreciate you taking your time to have me on there. Hope to do it again sometime. Perfect. All right, Clint, thank you so much for your time. Yep, thank you, Jason. Have a good one. Again, you can see pictures and read the online version of this story. You just go to the link in the description of this show, and boom, there it is. Uh, you can get it right there. And I wouldn't mind try trying to drive a, a plow just once. I, I think I, I, though, wouldn't have the patience to deal with all the idiot drivers that try to get around plows and follow right behind them or drive like uh, they're, they're from Florida and have no regard to a snowy road at all. I think I would have no patience for that, especially around uh, the entire front range of Colorado, where there's a lot of people driving, and they just they don't they feel like the snow is just a minor inconvenience to them, no matter how much snow is on the road, and they're going to just barrel through at sixty or seventy miles an hour anyway. And then a plow is there, ah, you're just stopping me. Get away. Get out of my get out of my way. I can do it a lot better. Um, I think that would make me. Well, probably not want to drive a plow at all, because uh, I, I think it takes a special kind of mentality to deal with dumb people on the roads anyway, and to be in a plow at the same time, that takes an even more special kind of mentality. And, and I think that's why probably Clint likes being down there in southwest Colorado, where there are fewer people than uh, along the front range, where around Denver and all the uh, cities along the front range of Colorado, where it obviously is a lot busier than down in Array and Silverton and Durango and Montrose. Uh, anyway, thanks again for being here. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or uh, 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 maybe even uh, some feedback for that interview or anything else you've heard on one of my podcasts, you, of course, can uh, call the listener hotline, 303-832-0217, or, of course, you can get me on any of the contact links in the description of this show. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm Jason Looper, the Traffic Guy. Be safe, and as always... 
happy motoring.